This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. And look, we're back again. We're back, and I'm mad. We're back. I know. So, so mad. All right. Why don't you introduce this? Because I might swear. Okay. Um, you may have heard in the news um, about people being sickened by dogs. And uh, basically, the story is, uh, as we know, over 55 people were uh, six somehow 14 at one point were hospitalized. I know the number keeps changing. But uh, Petland... Uh, was responsible for this uh, Campylobacter, Campylobacter outbreak. It's a bacteria outbreak in puppies. Now, the CDC got involved um, because all these people were getting sick and they were able to um, pinpoint it to uh, a bunch of pet land stores in how many states now? Uh, Florida, Kansas, Maryland, Missouri, New Hampshire, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Utah, Wisconsin, and Wyoming have confirmed cases. 14 confirmed cases were actually hospitalized. Um, I'm sorry, 14 confirmed cases were pet land employees across five states. 35 people either recently had purchased puppies or visited the store um, or visited someone with one of those puppies from pet land. So, and the numbers keep changing because, you know, obviously this is what we have right now. Um, 13 people were hospitalized with the Campylobacter uh, infection. Um, and, you know, of course, the big risk is those who are, you know, young, old, immunocompromised because you have a very weak immune system and um, it's easy to contract this. So, that is the news. That's the news part of the story. The CDC is still investigating and as of now, you know, we don't know how big it's going to get and spread, you know, where where it's going. So you have history, and this is something that is, and it's okay, you can swear because I completely understand and so does everyone else. Well, it says here in a statement, Petland said the company is proud of our commitment to quality controls and record keeping. And we are happy to help the CDC in this new endeavor and notes that any dog or puppy may carry the germ. <sighs> The CDC has not identified any failures of Petland's operating system that would lead to any Campylobacter infection, the statement reads. Petland reinforces proper hand sanitation sanitation before and after playing with any of our puppies and with the many sanitation stations in each store. Has strict kennel sanitation procedures and protocols put in place by consulting veterinarians. Yes, and you sell sick dogs that go and that die. You sell sick dogs that infect people and you are, are getting rich and selling puppies of the misery of millions of males and females that breed these puppies for you to sell that spend their lives in absolute misery in backyard breeders and in puppy mills. 
this is disgusting. This is the reason why Petland is getting sued in different places or where court cases or people have had enough with Petland. And they are, I'm sorry, absolutely. They are, they have, they put, perpetuate the puppy mill trade like you would not believe and why do how do I know that it's so bad well because I've now had experience of busting quite a few puppy mills in different parts of the United States and it's absolutely disgusting I have yet to see a puppy mill where all of the dogs are having a fabulous time or where none of them are sick or where none of them have medical issues or behavioral issues I'm telling you we just did we just busted a major puppy mill uh, well, actually, it was this last summer in uh, Habersham County, right? Over 300 animals. I was in my, up to my knees in dog excrement, crawling into these crates to try and get the breeding males and females out that had never been handled, hardly, because they were terrified, um, because they were just, there's no social skills, because that's all they know is a crate. And I, I'm telling you, I crawled in after dog, after dog, after dog, hundreds and hundreds. They had infections. They had mats that were so severe. They had to be cut off, literally. They had eye infections. They had flies and maggots and long nails that had grown inside. They were in pain. Their teeth were absolutely disgusting. Uh, and this is where your pet store puppy comes from. This is where Petland puppies come from. And it, no self-respecting pet store breeder, sorry, no self-respecting breeder is going to sell their puppies to a pet store. It just, it's just not. So Petland gets them from middlemen who gets them from the, uh, from all of the different puppy mills around. And they absolutely need to be liable and they should be ashamed of themselves, ashamed of themselves. And I will fight them with every breath in my body, every, every, every corpuscle of me. I will raise awareness about puppy mills and the horror and beg people, don't go to Petland to buy your puppies. Don't go to Petland at all to buy anything. And also, be careful of these other little stores because, you know, I now work with animal cruelty and I work with animal cruelty officers and task forces and different things. And so, yeah, we go into pet stores where there have been complaints, smaller pet stores that say, oh, we don't get our puppies. Richard, we have them on camera saying we don't get our puppies from uh, puppy mills. Uh, well, yes, you do, because we have the paperwork to show that you do. So now this is fraud. You're actually committing consumer fraud because you're telling people these puppies aren't from puppy mills because everyone goes in now and asks, are these puppies from puppy mills? And they say, no, they're not. Yes, they are. They are from puppy mills and they can be traced back to Iowa and Ohio and Pennsylvania. And it is a sick, sick trade. And unfortunately, people are getting sick. Okay, so the zoonotic diseases, or a puppy has a disease, they're getting sick from it. They're also getting puppies that are sick and that either die or they have to spend thousands of dollars on medical expenses. Or they're getting puppies that grow up and have real major behavioral issues. Why? Because they didn't get that foundation, that very important foundation, right from the, from the word go. Because they've been brought up in horrendous environments. And you know that... Uh, that behavior can be affected by the stress of the mom. So even in the uterus, these puppies can be affected by the stress of the mother in these puppy mills. I'm telling you, this is far reaching more than anyone could, could can believe. And studies now show that puppies that are from <coughs> puppy mills 
grow up to be more nervous and anxious adults that have more behavioral issues such as aggression. And now um, let me ask you, you, you've done work with this before. So you have, have you done the work where you can trace where they come from? So you know oh, that 100%. they're coming. A hundred percent. And you just have to watch dog by dog documentary. If you go, just go by uh, to dog by dog, you'll, you'll see. If you watch dog by dog documentary, you'll see it. The money trail's all there. Um, it, yes, you, you see it. And, and you've seen it too. You've seen, seen the money too. trail because you have access. I'm just I'm, saying that yes. you're, you're not just speaking. You can actually no. source this. You oh, have, yeah. I got the paperwork. I can right. see it right there, the paperwork. I got it on camera. I've got, you know, the consumer fraud right there, right, right there. And, 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 you know, we just, and in fact, one of the pet stores that we did go into because they'd had a complaint of sick puppies that were kept in the back. So we actually, all the puppies were playing out in the front and mm-hmm. then you go in the back and then you see the really sick ones. Okay. Um, and, but there was a woman in the front. She was in one of the pens and she was going there to buy a puppy. Right. Mm. And um, I heard the puppy, the person who was working there, who was the one who told me none of our puppies come from puppy farms. I heard the person working there and she said, um, oh, well, we can give you a discount on this one that you can get. You can have this one for eighteen hundred. Like it was just a piece of property mm. discount. We, um, Dreadful. What do consumers need to know? So if you, you know, as far as when what to ask what to look for i mean is there certain certification paperwork or there's nothing to yeah. to really prove it they'll they can give you, say anything they'll give you paperwork that this dog is you know yada 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 and unfortunately the akc as well the american kennel club they um they also a lot of their dogs they register puppy mills so um you'll be in pennsylvania you'll be in lancaster pennsylvania you'll be driving in lancaster pennsylvania which is amish country which has some of the major puppy mills in pennsylvania and you'll be going around and you'll see signs akc registered puppies akc registered puppies akc i've got it on camera again i've got it on film so has anyone is, spoken to the akc oh, yes. about it oh, what yeah, do they yeah, say yeah. they'll say oh we try regulate and we try and all our puppies come from registered breeders yeah well you register people and you like to get the money from them but you don't enforce the um the laws or or you don't go and inspect they don't have the people to go and inspect them and uh, they just want the money so um anyway if you don't want to go to a breed specific rescue okay you don't want to go to a rescue shelter i always encourage you to go first because you can get purebreds at rescue shelters Mm -hmm. um then you go to breeders now a really good breeder you go to the home of the breeder you see them the female you see the female with the puppies interacting with the puppies you get paperwork for all of the different tests that the puppies are going to have ask to see where they eat ask to see where they sleep exactly exactly ask to see how they interact be aware though that a lot of people a lot of the Amish and a lot of the people who do have the puppy mills they become very clever to this now now they bring the breeding female from whatever puppy mill they bring it into a home environment they put some puppies with it so it looks like breeding females with puppies and oh this is such a nice place be aware of the environment of where you're getting your puppy from go to the home ask questions walk around the property get references really important get vet references make sure the paperwork is in order and if something doesn't work out and you need to give the puppy back that person will take the puppy back if you can see the pups with its mum all the better oh it's exhausting and it's so right and this 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 just this just highlights how bad the issue is um but there are people doing amazing things Mm -hmm. there are people doing amazing things and that's why we are now going to have this incredible person called grace kelly herbert on the phone she is with finding shelter 
animal rescue and she's in Pennsylvania and I have worked with her a couple of times and had the pleasure of going up there and filming with her and also going to some of the Amish puppy mills to rescue some of the dogs. So let's get her on the phone right now. Okay. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. It's the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, Grace Kelly, we are so pleased to have you on the show. Um... Thank you for all the work you do. I, I mean, I need hours and hours and hours to tell everybody all the incredible things that you do. But if there's one person that has experience about puppy mill puppies mm-hmm. and the whole puppy mill industry, it's you. Could you a, tell our listeners about you know who you are, what you do, and your experience of the puppy mill industry where you live? Well, first, thank you for having me. It's so great to catch up with you. And... Um, I'm Grace Kelly Herbert. I'm from Finding Shelter Animal Rescue. We're a foster-based rescue. Uh, We're based outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and we do all different kinds of rescue, but the um, the, the big focus of what we do is rescuing uh, dogs from Lancaster County, which has the highest concentration of puppy mills in the state of Pennsylvania. And we get calls, our volunteers get calls from uh, the breeders, mostly in the Amish and Mennonite communities, who um, want to get rid of their unwanted and unusable breeder dogs, usually the, the females, um, but also some of their stud dogs, or the puppies who they cannot get to pass for health certificates for sale, uh, who are just unsellable to the public, who do tend to be fairly sick. So, you know, I've had the chance of coming up with with you to go around these puppy mills in um, uh, some of these some of these puppy mills, and a lot of people, when I tell them, are very shocked that the Amish and the Mennonites do this. Um, why? Well, um, the whole industry, the whole the whole pet breeding, dog breeding industry, was actually introduced into their community because they are primarily farming-based communities. And so back in the 1960s, um, a bunch of puppy mill, you know, the, the people who really had the ideas behind the puppy mills and um, a bunch of these dealers who wanted to make a lot of money off the mass production of dogs decided to approach uh, people in the Amish community saying, look, this is another source of income. It's pretty easy money. You can get a couple of litters of year, a year from just a couple of dogs. And they supported them in the breeding and selling of the dogs. And it has turned into this booming, booming business. And um, now it's been going on for so long. And it, it's very hard when you have a bit of a, even though they are, you know, they live here in America and they've been born here and they've been raised here, there is a huge cultural difference between um, the Amish, who are more secluded community, and those of us who are in mainstream society, who they refer to us as the English, anybody who is non-Amish. So even though they are somewhat segregated from most of the general population, uh, they are still very much in the population when it comes to this dog selling and they are making a booming business and I was out there just last just two weeks ago 
and one of the breeders told me he has a waiting list for his puppies. And he handed me a puppy who was so severely sick, she almost died from his farm to my vet, who was an hour away. So, And there were seven more dogs in that litter who he has been selling for the past couple of weeks. What what are the um, what are the laws there in Pennsylvania? I mean, are they just not strict enough? Are there laws against puppy mills there? Are they just not um, enforceable? Pennsylvania has gotten better. It's usually Pennsylvania is at the tail end of any sort of legislation, and uh, right now there is something huge that just went through here in Pennsylvania, which is they're referring to as Act Ten that uh, Governor Wolf just signed into legislation, and um, it is now law. You know, there, there are stricter penalties for animal cruelty. Um, there uh, some Libre, if you've heard of the dog Libre, part of Libre's law about against animal cruelty and having stiffer penalties for, for being cruel to dogs or for mistreating or abusing animals. Part of that is rolled into this Act 10. But when it comes down to it, when it comes specifically for the dogs, there is Pennsylvania dog law. Which, for instance, I am a rescue that operates in the state of Pennsylvania, and so I need to have a kennel license. Even though I don't have a shelter, I still adopt out more than 25 dogs a year, and I house more than 25 dogs in a year. So, therefore, I have to apply for a nonprofit kennel license. And so the, the state dog warden in my county comes to my home. He inspects my home. He inspects my dogs. He looks over all of my personal vet records and all of the rest the records for my fosters and all of the records for the dogs in my rescue. And you would think that, you know, with and, and I have a great dog warden who is really great about educating me about what, you know, make sure to look out for these things and make sure you stay on top of these things. Um, we can't seem to figure out why if me as a rescue is going through all of that well then how come these puppy mills who have dogs and they're inspected some of them are some of them are not some of them are are small in fact to the one that i went to two weeks ago it might not even be referred to as a puppy mill they they breed in a puppy mill manner but he only has four or five dogs so he would be more referred to as a backyard breeder um but he said he doesn't breed and sell and house more than 25 dogs in a year so he does not qualify for a license so he keeps his dogs up to date on rabies and he make, he has a vet come out to give them the rabies shots and to get health um, checks for the puppies but he's really meeting all the standards that he should have to need even without that dog license um, but if he if, if everybody had to qualify for a dog license who had anything to do with dogs um, then there might be a little bit more oversight because it, they're just they're people who are slipping through the cracks or saying, oh, I don't breed more than 20, 25 dogs a year, so I'm not going to get a license, so nobody's walking in, into their properties. Um, but there are even some that we go to that are licensed, and we've gotten dogs from them with all kinds of medical issues, and a basic inspection is not going to pick up on some of the things that these dogs have wrong with them because of the way they are housed and the way they live for years and the way they are bred over and over and over again at each heat cycle. Let me just like interject here because, you know, we can a lot of the um, animal cruelty laws. You know, dogs have got to have shelter, they've got to have food, they've got to have water. Part of the five freedoms as well is 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 freedom from pain and free. You know, living in as most natural environment as you can, or living in a, an environment that doesn't cause you to, to be fearful. But but unfortunately, these puppy mills aren't getting busted 
because e even though these dogs are living terrible lives in tiny crates, um, what what can we do about that? Well, it, my my personal opinion about this is that why are legislators going to fight so hard to shut things down? That still, you know, a lot of their constituents are the customer base for these puppy mills. So if people are still going and they are buying these dogs and there are waiting lists at puppy mills for these poorly bred animals, and, you know, why are legislators going to say, well, half of my constituents or most of my constituents are, are patrons of these businesses? Why am I going to put my energy into shutting them down? Do you think um, it, do you think it has... To do with education too. I mean, do these do, do do their constituents, do these people who are on these waiting lists for very expensive dogs, do they know, and do they know the other options? Is it something that we need to do as far as education goes? I think some people do, and some people don't. There, you know, certainly people who say, "Well, I didn't realize I was going to a puppy mill because these people are real crafty." Um, in the case of when people go to Amish farms, there is something that we refer to as the showcase farm. So where, you know, they may breed 100 dogs on a farm, but they go next door and they have one dog with one litter of puppies and there are no other dogs around. And somebody going there would see this, you know, little lady in a bonnet with this box of dogs in her living room and, and one mother dog who's been cleaned up and say, well, I didn't go to a puppy mill because this person told me they only have one litter a year. And I had all the, uh, and the dog had had its papers. And I have been to puppy mills where I, I was looking at them, and they were they were shaving the dogs down, the, any a female dog. And I said, "What are you doing with that dog?" And they said, "We're cleaning her up for sales this weekend because we need a clean female for this weekend." So there is a great deal of consumer fraud. So even if people know a little bit about puppy mills, they can they can still be subject to being fooled by the the way that these animals are marketed. But I do believe that if we, I think education is the strongest weapon that we have against these puppy mills. So if we have good legislation where um, that is, it's, it's enforced and people really know what the laws are and what to look for, um, then that is a great part of it. And the education of why you don't want to go to a puppy mill is a great part of it. Uh, but again, this is an emotional purchase. And a lot of people can't look mm -hmm. at a puppy and say, I really love this puppy that I've spent 10 minutes with. How can I turn away and say, nope, I'm not going to buy your animal because because this is a puppy mill and this is the wrong thing to do. A lot of people cannot make that jump and, and walk away without the dog. They feel like they're saving an animal when they're actually just making sure that that mother and father stays in prison for, for longer than they should. What can people do in, in order to, um, if they're listening to this and they're getting mad and they want to do something, what would you advise people could do in their own communities? How do they raise awareness? I think the first thing that people need to do is to find a good local shelter and rescue, a good reputable place that is um, serving the community and is educating the community and team up with them, volunteer for them. So, you know, foster animals for them. Um, if they have special puppy mill campaigns, make sure you join them and you can spread that education. And... There's people on their own. On your website, you have a lot of you have a lot of articles about you know how to pick the right animal and and how to rescue and how to you know 
spot puppy mills, um, making sure that they're going to the right resources and reading these articles and sharing things um, on social media. It's very powerful on social media, what what you can find out there. But make sure you're doing your, your homework on the organization that you're that you're aligning yourself with or you're following the same way you would do your homework on anything else. Do you feel that uh, law enforcement are educated enough to know what to look for or know how to respond? Because, you know, oftentimes they sort of get caught in the middle and they don't really know. And so they think, oh, yeah, like a like somebody who would be going thinking they're going to a great breeder uh, would would think. I know here in Pennsylvania, things are a little more compartmentalized. So you have Pennsylvania Department of Dog Law who oversees all the licensing and the inspections, kennel inspections. Um, then you have Humane Law Enforcement, which investigates cruelty. And then we have our local police. And um, in the town where I live, we don't have animal control. So the police, if they pick up a stray dog, they take them to the SPCA. But there's nothing that they can really enforce without Humane Law Enforcement because they're their hands are kind of tied on what they can do when it comes to personal pets. So um, I think that that's, a, that's another tricky part. And every community is a little bit different, but I know here everything's a little more compartmentalized. And so when it comes to animal cruelty in your own backyard and you might not have humane law officers, the, the police may or may not have the education or the, um, the backing to really go in and do something. Grace, if people want to find out more about you, um, obviously you rescue a lot of dogs, you rescue a lot of puppies, uh, you are able to give them a home, you get them adopted out, you do incredible work, and uh, you love chihuahuas as much as I love chihuahuas. <laughs> I um, if I people do. want to know more about or they you, support you and support you, because you are obviously a registered charity and you do need support, and uh, where would they go? Our website is findingshelter.org. We also have a Facebook page, Finding Shelter Animal Rescue, and we're on Twitter at Finding Shelter A. So um, we're, we're, we try to stay pretty active on social media to make sure that we're sharing pictures and stories. And even if you go back into our history of videos and, and pictures, you can see a lot of images from our, our puppy mill rescues. Um, so there's a lot of information out there and we're always happy to hear from people and have people join us. And we spend about $75,000 a year on medical care. The puppy mill dogs in particular are very expensive and it costs us about a thousand dollars a dog just to get them their basic vetting with dentals and spay and neuter and fixing whatever else is wrong. Um, so we always appreciate donations that are, and they are fully tax deductible. Well, before we go, we can't forget, we can't not talk about Miss V or Violet. Now, last year when I was up with Grace Kelly, Herbert, we went round and we, uh, to some of these Amish mills. In fact, we went to what could be classed as a backyard breeder and there was a very, very sick English bulldog. I mean, literally vomiting whilst we were there. Mm. Terrible sores, terrible uh, just eyes. In fact, he'd been trying to... T uh, to treat her eye infections by pouring cow's milk into her eyes oh, and uh, she was very very sick and we managed I mean she, he wanted to continue breeding from her but Jeez. fortunately we managed to get her get her away and we called her Violet and I mean Grace you spent a lot of money on her to get her back and it took a good didn't it take a good nine months to get her medically fit where she could go and uh, finally be adopted 
Yeah, it was it was um, at least seven months to get rid of the mange because she had such severe Demodex mange. Um, and we had to do skin scrapes over and over again to make sure that it was gone. Uh, but then after that, we had to have her eyes fixed. She had entropion, and we had to, to have those eyelashes fixed so they weren't scratching her, her eyes anymore. Um, but in that time, she met a wonderful couple who was really committed to loving her, and they wanted to adopt her, and they had the most stellar application. They had an experience with dogs who had Demodex before, so they know what to look for if, you know, God forbid it was to come back. But that dog who I I kind of I still I still pinch myself sometimes when I think about that day when the two of us were on that farm knowing full well that he didn't want to give her up and then driving away with her in the back of that van I, <laughs> I still cannot believe the the just miracle of that moment and um, to see a dog who was so sick yet so loving and forgiving of people and she is now thriving she's absolutely gorgeous <laughs> um she has a facebook page violet the english or violet the puppy mill survivor and she is she's she's a miracle and she's wonderful and she is living a fantastic life and so that's what this is all about that's why saving these dogs who have lived in these conditions are so important because we have to give them a chance to enjoy the life that they were supposed to be born into there's a great picture of Violet on your Facebook page. I love. She's wearing, I think, a multicolored tutu, um, and she's laying on a faux fur pillow and blanket. And you know what? I love that picture. I love, love, love that picture. Well, Violet loves her tutus, and she has <laughs> quite a few of them. And um, she's, yeah, she she likes to lead parades in her tutus and um, to show off her tutus to everybody. And her um, her mom and dad have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> well, yeah, well, so does Victoria. She likes her tutus <laughs> yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. Yes, I do. Thank you, Holly. Thanks for just telling everybody about all my and secrets. A quick question. <laughs> so I love your Facebook page. I just went on there and liked it. And as I'm scrolling through looking at these beautiful pictures, I have to know about Sebastian and popcorn. And the reason why I ask is this is the most beautiful picture of Sebastian. And he's laying on popcorn, who's about a quarter of his size, with his head and his paw. And it's the sweetest picture. How are they doing? They're wonderful dogs. Um, Sebastian's a puppy. And oh, really? he's only about seven months old. So he's oh. your typical teenage puppy. He, <laughs> you know, he's smart and he's gone through training class and he's wonderfully behaved. And then he decides he's just going to do his own thing sometimes. But um, Popcorn, she's an interesting story. Uh, she was abandoned in Philadelphia and it, was, it took a really long time for any of us to be able to even really touch her. She was so wow. fearful. Um, she was even more fearful than some of the puppy mill dogs that we've gotten. Hmm. And so um, she has really learned how to be a dog and to enjoy life through the bonds she has made with the other dogs in her foster home. And um, their foster mom is our trainer, Kelly. Mm. And she has really done a beautiful job with the two of them. And now they love to lounge around together mm -hmm. every night. I will get pictures of either one or the other one laying on top like a like flopped on top of each other making a little sandwich on a bed at night and um they're great dogs they're both looking for homes and um and they're they're wonderful they just popcorn needs a very specific kind of home um sebastian just needs a home who loves hounds 
because he's a hound through. <laughs> I have a hound. I get it. I get it. Yeah, you are a hound person, aren't you? I a am. A hound person and a pit bull person. Grace, Kelly, it. thank you so much for joining us. We so appreciate it. Thank you for all the work you do. Please, everybody, go to their Facebook page. Go support them You can, if you can. Donate a little bit. Every little bit helps. Thank you for all the work you do. Keep going. They need you there in Pennsylvania. Finding Shelter Animal so Rescue. Thank you. We love your Facebook page. Look at me. I'm like, we're not going to get anything done the rest of the day because yeah. I'm just looking at all the pictures. <laughs> Thank you both so much. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. All right. Take care. Be well. Bye-bye. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process, they they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't dog. know my dog. Just ask Victoria. This season of Ask Victoria is sponsored by Zooks. You know, an important part of dog training is feeling a connection with your favorite four-legged friend. And there's no better time than the holidays to take life a little slower together. My friends at Zooks are all about sharing outdoor adventures with your dog, but this time of year, we both want to remind you to slow down a little. Maybe take a shorter hike and a longer nap on the couch together. Zook's line of natural, trail-tested training dog treats are the perfect way to reward your dog as you're bonding. Check them out at zooks.com and follow at Zook's Pets on social. And let's go a bit slower, shall we? Okay, it's time to put you to the test. You know all the answers anyway. We just need to know them. Okay, first question is from Danielle Kennedy, who's from Liverpool. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, can you please advise on the differences I should be looking for in body language, etc., between correction and aggression from adult dogs when meeting my 12-week-old excitable puppy? Hmm. Okay. I don't really understand that question, like but that. you do. Yes, I do. Okay. So um, the puppy is going up to these other dogs, these adult dogs, and, you oh. know, just getting in their faces like little babies, infants, toddlers, puppies do. Oh. And, um, and these adult dogs are telling them off. So what's the difference? Is, is it like what, is, what kind of correction is good? What kind of correction is not good? And um, I th- that's a great question. We have <laughs> never had that question before, Mm-mm. and I think it's a really good one because we want part of, part of raising a puppy is getting them to socialize with all kinds of different dogs, including adult dogs. And so when does it get to the point where, you know, you want them to go up and say hello, but you also – kind of like I I sort of see it as free training in a way Mm -hmm. is when the dog itself will correct your puppy like you don't have to do anything the dog that it's meeting will correct and I think that's anything that is just like a quick like a little growl or Mm -hmm. a 
snarl or sometimes even like just a snap, an air snap, as in you've gone too far, a nudge, whatever, or sometimes when the mom uh, tells puppy off, you know, mom will put mouth over the, the muzzle or the mouth on the back of the neck or will will put the head over the shoulders of the pup, that kind of thing. Those kind of corrections are all fine. Now, if you've got to watch the puppy, if puppy goes, oh, okay, won't do it and stops doing the behavior, that's great. Puppy's learned. But some pups are really feisty and they'll go back in again, doing the behavior that they were corrected for by the adult. Now, watch. Does the adult do it again? Does the adult get up and walk away, therefore practicing avoidance? They're all fine. Or does the adult start to get really pissy? Mm -hmm. And that's the time you intervene. Because if the adult does another, and then puppy listens this time, okay, puppy's got it. But if if the adult dog gets up and moves away, practicing avoidance, great. If puppy runs after them, and starts being irritating, you intervene. If puppy goes, oh, okay, and starts to go off and do something else, correction's great. The, 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 it's listen to the correction, okay? Um, and if there's anything else, if there's any kind of really long sustained growling or, uh, God forbid, a bite or anything like that, obviously, don't let it get to that point, but yes, intervene. Good to know. Now I understand the question. I didn't understand. Yeah. Perfect. Um, here's a question from... Uh, Kaylee Metcalf from Doncaster, Kentucky. And she said, my dog is putting off eating. He will eat off his fork that we use to give him his wet food, but he won't eat out of his own bowl. He will eat treats still, so I know he's hungry. It's a little concerning that he won't eat. I leave it down for 10 minutes, and if he doesn't eat it, I take it off him. Wait till next meal time and put it down again. He's still not bothered. Sounds like my jasmine. I wonder what this dog is. Bet it's a chihuahua. Really? No, bet it's a little one. Actually, and you know what? I'm sorry. Let me just tell you that actually, yeah, that was from Doncaster. Okay, Kentucky. I actually got these confused because they're all over the place because the previous person was actually Claire Lurie Marsden from Canterbury, Connecticut. Ah, I see. Okay. Um, So anyway, so sorry about that. So this is from the Kaylee Metcalf. Sorry. Okay. Yes. So various eating issues. Well, um, what kind of food is in the bowl? Is it dry food or is it a mixture of wet and dry or is it just the wet food? So maybe the dog doesn't really like dry food that much. Maybe the dog doesn't like the bowl. Maybe the bowl tastes weird. Mm. Um, try using a new bowl. Trying, try feeding the dogs in another part of the house. Are there other dogs around? Um, is it the fact that the dog just likes taking it off the fork? Um, is it that connection with you that the dog likes? Um, obviously, when the dog gets treats, I'm sure that's coming from you too. Can you put the treats in with the food? Really high, delicious, tasty stuff in the bowl with the rest of the food so that the dog actually is encouraged to eat from the bowl? There's various things that you can do mm-hmm. with this. Um, I would say if you can, don't. Feed your dog um, from food off the fork if you can. Obviously, you want your dog to eat, and especially if it is a small breed like a Chihuahua or like a Yorkshire Terrier who are very finicky eaters. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, but I think if you put the really high value stuff into a different bowl, feed in a different place or feed in different places around your kitchen or somewhere, then I think you your dog might be more encouraged to eat. Jasmine, Jasmine's very strict. If Jasmine was a human being, she would have a lot of food issues. <laughs> oh, my God. So Jasmine is, 
she I'll put her food bowl down mm-hmm. and dry food uh, and wet food. She mm-hmm. likes dry and wet together. She won't eat it though. She won't eat it mm-hmm. until Sadie's gone in to eat hers. She has to go in, look at Sadie eating her own food. Uh, eat, Sadie's eating her food, and then go back to her bowl just to check the bowl's still there. Then she has to come and she looks at me. <laughs> and she's got me well trained because I say go eat and then she'll go eat. Mm. Now, sometimes I don't say go eat and she might wait for a little bit and then as soon as Sadie comes out, then she goes to eat. So she has some really sort of weird behaviors around the food bowl and and I think if you just start changing things up and putting really delicious stuff in the bowl, I think your dog will eat from it. Yeah, see, I think you're right because when it says the fork is where she gets the wet food, but she'll still eat treats. So it sounds very much, because you know Barnsley, right? My resource guard or my... And what I've learned is when I put dry food in a bowl, he'll guard and guard and guard and guard and guard, and then sometimes he walks away. But if I take a teaspoon of cat food and mix it in there, he can't eat that stuff fast mm-hmm. enough. And exactly. so I think I think he's just, I think he's learnt. Yeah, well, you know he's trained you because yes. we're not advocating giving dogs cat food. It's just no. sometimes, you know, when you put a tiny little bit yeah, of it just because a it's so enough. high in protein that uh, for some dogs that that's fine. Um, but yes, yeah, Barnes you know, is very thin and he's very, so yeah, you got I'd ask my vet about it. My vet's yes. like, that is fine. You got to play fine, yeah, the but. game sometimes <laughs> and just kind of outwit, outsmart. But yes, <laughs> I tried to figure problem. that out with, the with Sean, I tried to do uh, a little bit of vegetables and I'm like, what can I do if I sprinkle Doritos over the vegetables? Maybe he'll eat them and not know. Like, I feel like he's my, he's Barnsley. <laughs> you have to do that with kids. There's a great cookbook called Deceptively Delicious. It's oh. Jerry Seinfeld's wife. Oh yes. Yeah, I love that book and in fact we've used it so much in fact my daughter eats all, everything mm-hmm. but um, we just we tried a lot of those recipes about how you make brownies but you put cauliflower in them I might yeah. need to borrow that yeah. book it's really cool hopefully and so Sean's you not listening. use that with Sean yeah hopefully he's not listening don't tell him <laughs> okay everybody it's our secret Awesome. Well, thank you for another great fun hangout. This has been this has been a really good one. Yes, this it was is, emotional. It was emotional. I know. You're okay though. I am okay. It's all right. <laughs> we're just going to keep fighting the fight. I love it. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you do. You know, you were you were saying thank you to to Grace, but yes. You know what? You're right there by her side. So thank you, Vic, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.